When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Emotional pain and depression may indicate that someone is at risk for suicide, but the signs aren't always easy to see or discuss. Most people who take their lives exhibit one or more warning signs. Often the signs are subtle changes in mood, what they say, or how they act. Learn to recognize the warning signs. Suicide is preventable. Recognize it, talk about it, act on it. Learn more at recognizetalkact.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you late on a Wednesday evening after the Cubs take the second of two games with the other team from Chicago, the White Sox, after the Sox win the first one on Tuesday, so a two-game split for the uh, vying for the Crosstown Cup, as everybody I know is uh, very excited to see who gets to hoist the trophy this year, but we'll have to wait until these two (laughs) teams meet again to see who is uh, the 2019 winner. So we will talk about those two games, obviously an off day on Monday and just a couple of games here, so not a lot of in-game action to break down for you, but we will break it down. But Brendan, right before you and I jumped on to record this, we were discussing that very fact and, you know, kind of lamenting to each other, you know, only a couple games, not that much to really break down that we haven't already covered in in other podcasts. And lo and behold, the Twitter machine comes through for us, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, Thursday, it is is Alzole season. Alzole. Say yes, it Corey. with us. Keep trying, Brendan. You got it on that one, but we need to... Alzole. I've been, pr- I've been practicing. Yeah, I think we got to get ready for this. Up. He's called up. I, I got it down. <laughs> yeah. I think we just need to get you to like a normal speaking pace with that, but yes, part of the process. Absolutely. So the word coming across uh, from pick your favorite beat writer uh, of the many. I'm going to go with Tony Andraki here of NBC Chicago, but 
He and the many others uh, reporting that Adbert Alzole will be called up, the Cubs' top pitching prospect, coming to Chicago to back up Tyler Chatwood, who was named, we talked about this over the weekend, he will get that start against the Mets, who come to town on Thursday, Uh, but Chatwood obviously not as stretched out as he was, say, in spring training or at other points during the year. So they're thinking he's somewhere in the range of about 70 pitches for Chatwood. So you see how many innings that gets you. And Alzale is here. Tim Collins designated for assignment in a corresponding move. And what happens after Thursday and, and going forward here? We, you know, certainly at this late hour on a Wednesday night, I, I don't think that they've broken all that down yet. But this is pretty exciting, Brendan. And, and we talked about this and he's not getting the start. But just his presence, I think, is enough to satisfy what we were talking about over the weekend. And it's it's basically, this guy has been performing extremely well. He is on fire for the Iowa Cubs uh, all year, but especially in his, you know, his last run of starts here. And it was about time to reward him for that and inject this bullpen or, or pitching staff, wherever he ultimately ends up, with some young, high-profile prospect talent and see what that does to the outlook of this team going forward. So Alzole, his entire stat line in Iowa, six starts, 32 innings. You ready for this, Corey? A 13K per nine. Mm. 13 for a starting pitcher. Talk dirty to me, Brendan. You, you You ready, Corey? I'm not done yet. I'm not done. His walk rate per nine innings. You ready for this one? One point, very nice, six nine. Okay, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to bring that up a little bit if he's gonna fit in with this group. All right, that's way yeah, too at least, low. At least double that. Way too at least low. Double that. But I think Chatwood may make up for it just in, in that in that one. Perhaps. Day. But yeah. I mean, seriously, here a twelve point nine four K per nine. Okay, for a starting pitcher, and just in the previous year in twenty eighteen and even twenty seventeen, his his total K per nine was between six and eight. So whatever he's doing this year in Iowa, we have not watched those games, but whatever he's doing clearly is working much better, whether it's an adaptation to better sequencing or pitches, whatever it is, he's ready. Like this, like this is as best as you can perform at AAA before being called up. That's that's it right there. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens here. I think after this starts by Chatwood, my, my guess is Alzole will get a, a start within the next week or two. And with Hendricks and his return, not really... I guess known right now, maybe even through the All-Star break, you have to think that Alzole may have a legitimate chance to get some work in, which which is good not only for his development, but it does kind of give the Cubs an opportunity to evaluate the guy at the big league level ahead of the trade deadline and perhaps may, you know consider him as an important piece come October and September if they decide to move him back to the bullpen. Yeah, and just to give the context on that, uh, I, I think we noted in the last pod that that Hendricks went on the IL with shoulder fatigue. They do some tests, and it's revealed that it is an impingement. Of course, uh, as we've said many times, Brendan and I, not doctors, nor do we play ones on TV. But not the the biggest deal. They, the, you know, the Cubs don't sound particularly concerned about it. Jed Hoyer saying that he, you know, will certainly miss some time and that he said, quote, we want to get him right. If that means patience, then we'll exercise patience, which I think is the right move here. Uh, you know, he, Joe Madden, you know, said, I think when the injury first happened, uh, that if this was the heat of a pennant race, like he may be able to push through it. But with where they are right now, you want him to take that time, don't make anything any worse, and get him completely healthy. You've got a lot of season left here, and I think at, at, at the current moment, certainly with what we've been seeing from this group over the, the last good while here, and really for most of the year, 
the the starting pitching is is not in a place right now where it's like oh my god if Hendricks doesn't make his next start you know it's it's a mess they they you know the, these guys around him have been very good so I think that patience and and making sure that Hendricks is right for the long run even if that means him not pitching again until the All Star break is the right move and a hundred percent like this is exciting and and this is something that we see and you know the Cubs have done this almost every year we've seen them bring up a big name it's almost always literally a bat which is you know why this kind of feels a little different but this is something that we've seen them do where you get that kind of early or mid-season excitement of some big potential prospect coming up and and you look around the league and you see a, a lot of these other teams that are near the top of the league doing this a lot you know the Dodgers come to mind uh when they brought like Walker Bueller up for example and it just this is something that you want to see and it's good to see the Cubs make this move and say you know we could look at some of these other options look to veterans, whatever you want to do. But you know what? We are going to go for that, the the highest ceiling that we have. And maybe this, you know, really turns this pitching staff into something totally different. And and again, we don't know the role that Alzale is going to play 100% going forward here. But if he gets the opportunity on Thursday, maybe gets a start if Hendricks' timeline is quicker than, you know, the all-star break. And if it's longer than that, you know, maybe he gets a few opportunities here. And and right. if he is as good yeah. as he has been for the Iowa Cubs, you, you really have the potential to kind of turn this pitching staff on its head by influxing such a talent level and someone with the stuff and performance that Alzelay has. Obviously, with Craig Kimbrell looming in Iowa, you know, you, you the, these things could have a huge impact. So I think it will be a very exciting day at Wrigley Field. And, you know, we've done this a lot in the last few years, but it's always exciting when one of these guys comes up. You know, we see all these highlights in these games now, like when the, the Cubs were just in Colorado, we watch the highlights of, you know, Javi making his debut. We always see those highlights from like Castro and Soler, these guys who had these big debuts. And it's always exciting when when these days come around because you, you kind of let the hype overtake you and, and you're just really happy that this guy's getting an opportunity and, and thinking about the potential that he can bring to this team. So this is, uh, this is exciting, Brendan. It's going to be fun to watch. And like you said, yeah, having these guys make their debut, we always remember their debut, right? We know Sterling Castro's debut with the first at-bat home run. Solaire in Cincinnati as well. You have Anthony Rizzo with that that single to shortstop and that hole over there. So you know you have these types of big time moments. And of course, Wilson Contreras when he hit a home run. I think you were there at, uh, at Wrigley Field there, Corey. So it's going to be fun to watch, and you do have to embrace those moments because this is this is kind of why you want to watch baseball. You get these types of unique moments where someone like Alzole, by the way, very good pronunciation. You're there, killing it. Can, I'm killing it, I know. Someone like Al Zolay, two in a row there, can really make an impact. And I think ultimately for me, like what I want to see is Al Zolay kind of develop into a pitcher. By August, you're looking at him as a swing-type role to complement Montgomery, to complement Chatwood. So now you have three of those types of guys. But not only that, if you have someone like Al Zolay step up, right? And if Chatwood continues to develop like this in terms of his command you may have Chatwood or Alzole kind of get higher leverage moments in like a max out effort type deal. Chatwood just threw 98 miles per hour his last outing. So it's not as if he doesn't have the type of stuff. His walk per nine this year is still a little bit high at 5.4, but it's been mostly hit or miss for Chatwood where he has outings where he doesn't walk anyone. He'll have an outing where he walks, you know, three to four guys. So there's still room to believe that if you have another person step up in this bullpen, maybe Joe can utilize Chatwood in a different type of role rather than this mop-up duty, especially with Kimbrough coming to the team within the next week or two. So I think it has substantial you know, consequences in, in a good way. If Alzole can step up and if Hendricks is out for even you know three to four weeks, three to four starts, it's a big opportunity for him to contribute immediately, not just now, but for the entire year, I'm sure he'll be back down to Iowa at some point. But you have to think, if he's successful, he's going to be with this team. Yeah. If the Cubs want to preach talent, or rather production over talent, 
if he's going to produce, you can't make the argument that he needs to go back down. Like the Cubs are in a tight race right now and they need pitching out of their bullpen. So if he produces, I, I hope he stays. Yeah. And I think this is a good landing spot for Alzale as well. I think, you know, we certainly were clamoring for him to just outright get this start on Thursday. But I think all things considered, this is still a very comfortable landing for him, which is something you, you know, tend to consider. Uh, when bringing these guys up and and what kind of moment you want them to be in. And I think him being at home, not starting the game, so the context of the game will have developed without, you know, his responsibility— I kind of wish he was starting. I, I do, too. I'm not going mean, to we, we called for that, but, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's a bad thing for him to, you know, the, the game to kind of develop. He can hang out, get, the, you know, the, get his feet under him in and around a, a major league game, and, you know, hopefully he's coming in with a, a big lead or a lead at all would be nice. Um, and, you know, I think the Mets, like, not to dog the Mets here before they come in for four games, but, you know, they're— No, we can dog the well, Mets. Well, but I just there's mean no, that there's, there's, no rule there's about that. you know, definitely worse offenses and teams for Alzelay to—for this timing to have occurred against, right? So I just think yeah. all things considered, this is a, a good opportunity for him. I, I don't want to call anything low stakes, but this is a, a pretty soft landing, I think, for, for a top prospect to come into. It should be a nice, easy moment for him to enter the game. And of course, I say that he'll come in and it'll be, you know, nothing, nothing in the sixth <laughs> inning or something like that, right? Um, you, have, you, have to, you have to think, though, that because he's been exclusively used as a starter in, in Iowa, regardless of what Chatwood does, that the Cubs will get him going as a starting pitching like routine, so yeah. to speak. So I think he's going to come in, whether it's the fourth inning or fifth inning, no matter what. Even if Chatwood implodes in that first inning or second inning, you know, God forbid, I still think the Cubs will keep that consistent strategy and just utilize them in the fifth inning, if that's what it is. It's going to be a very understandable type of procedure when it comes to him. Yeah, so that is something indeed to look forward to on Thursday tonight as you guys listen to this on Thursday morning. Uh, but let's, I think that's all we have to say about Azale. I, I think the too long didn't listen uh, of, of that conversation is we're pumped about it. Uh, to quote yeah. Chris Bryant, tomorrow should be super fun. So super yeah, fun. Yeah. Looking forward to Azale season indeed. But let's run through these White Sox games really quickly and then we can jump into this. Brendan, if I, going into the series, if I told you that one White Sox pitcher was going to throw five innings, allow four hits and give up one run, and the other one would go four and a third, give up seven hits and six earned runs, and you knew that those two pitchers were either Ivan Nova or Lucas Giolito, <laughs> who entered Wednesday's start against the Cubs at 10 and 1, I pretty sure all of us would have guessed that the four and a third was Ivan Nova and the Cubs won a blowout on Tuesday and that the five innings of one run, albeit an abbreviated start, but that that was Lucas Giolito. And as we've said on this podcast many, many times, baseball is gonna baseball. Folks, they're reversed. Ivan Nova dominates the Cubs for some reason. Uh, really enjoyable stuff there on Tuesday from this group. Uh, but five innings, four hits, one earned, two walks, and one strikeout. Uh, so maybe dominate isn't the right word, but he yeah. he, he, pre- he performs. He gets the good outing, right? However you want to phrase that. Even though the first pitch of the game is deposited into the bleachers by one Kyle Schwarber, who is still killing it in the leadoff role. And then the Cubs jump all over uh, Lucas Giolito on Wednesday, mostly Wilson Contreras, who has himself a game indeed. But that's baseball for you, right? And and it was funny, too, because after the Cubs don't do anything against Nova, you read that a lot from people going, well, as baseball would have it, they'll jump all over Giolito tomorrow. And you're <laughs> thinking exactly like, well, right. that's a tricky proposition, but I would love for that to be the case. And then it is. And, you know, there you go. And they're, and they're throwing up all those stats during the broadcast in Wednesday's game, Brendan, where they're like, this is the most home runs that Giolito's given up in three months combined. And, you know, and you're like, man, this is... <laughs> 
Really weird. The Cubs are really weird, but that's that's where we are. Anyway, the White Sox winning three to one on Tuesday, and look, folks, that moment was going to happen at some point, right? Whether it was in 2019, one of these years going forward, doesn't matter. At some point, we were all going to have to sit through Eloy Jimenez winning a game against the Cubs at Wrigley Field, and we ripped that Band-Aid off right away. He literally wins the game in his first uh, chance at Wrigley Field. He hits a two-run go-ahead and eventually game-winning home run off of Pedro Strope in the top of the ninth inning of a one-to-one game. The Cubs don't score in the bottom half, and thus, there it is. Eloy wins the game. He is the big story of Tuesday evening and all of Wednesday. The Jose Quintana trade relitigated a billion times on social media and on television, and like I said, it's going to happen at some point. We might as well, I guess, have just gotten it out of the way here and you know, not in some future Subway World Series or something like that, but there it was. That's the story of Tuesday's game. The other thing of note, like I said, the Cubs offense uh, pretty much just stops after literally the first pitch of the game, which Kyle Schwarber hit for his 16th home run. And the other thing of note there on Tuesday, Cole Hamels continues to be uh, not just good, folks. He is, you know, kind of just one of the best pitchers, at least in the National League. He is on some kind of roll here. Seven innings, six hits, one earned, two walks, and eight strikeouts. He lowers his 2019 ERA to 2.85. Man, and, and I know, you know, we go back, I think, a little bit when I, you know, was talking about how high I believe the floor was for this rotation and kind of saying that I didn't necessarily think the Cubs had that you know, maybe like elite performing top of the rotation guy. And of course, a a rare, to your credit, from me to Brendan. I'm obviously not one to always uh, let Brendan know when I believe he said something intelligent or not, but... Usually never. Usually never. Yeah, very rare. Usually but never. you did yeah. correct me in in whatever episode that was and saying, you know what, Corey, I kind of think that Cole Hamels might just be that guy. So he certainly looks that way, and he deserved better than the no-decision fate that he gets on Tuesday, but such is life. Again, the Cubs losing 3-1 to one on Tuesday, but don't worry, folks. It's not like we're going to have to watch highlights of Eloy's broken broken bat home run off of Strope, you know, I don't know, for the next decade or so. It, I'm sure we'll never see it again. Don't worry about it. We, we won't have to think about it. It's fine. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, like I said, the Cubs jump all over Lucas Giolito in the bottom of the first inning. Lurie Garcia hits a home run off of John Lester on the first pitch of the game. So both of these games start with one of the teams from Chicago hitting a first pitch home run. On Wednesday, it was the White Sox. So they led one to nothing going into the bottom of the first, but they trailed four to one after Wilson Contreras, his 14th homer of the year, his first of the evening, goes for a grand slam. Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez all score on the play. Five to one in the third when Wilson hits his 15th home run. The White Sox would get a couple in the fourth to make it 5-3. to three. David Bodie, his ninth home run of the season in the bottom of the fourth. I don't know, Brendan. It's almost as though he should be playing more often than not. But Isn't that but that seems like a crazy out? thing to say. Crazy um, to think about. You know, because we definitely needed that Daniel Descalso start on Tuesday. His his negative war value definitely warranted that. But it's got a great hack. Out I'm there. sure you guys Looking can very tell sharp. Brendan and I are not salty about that at all. It's fine. No. And then in the bottom of the eighth, Kyle Schwarber with an RBI double to make it seven to three, and that is where we would finish. Steve Ciszek does not get the save as Kyle Schwarber ruined that for him in the inning before by driving in that run, but he does pitch a scoreless ninth inning with two strikeouts, so that is good to see. Good stuff from the members of the Cubs bullpen here, Kyle Ryan followed by Brad Brock and Mike Montgomery. They each get a hold. They each do their job, none of them walking anybody, and that is a nice, clean evening from the bullpen then, again, finished by Steve Ciszek. So, Brendan, just a couple games here. Obviously, you have the excitement of, you know, both Chicago teams playing. Obviously, the the broadcasts are kind of falling all over themselves to uh, make this into the biggest thing that ever happened, even though it's uh, really not. 
we get the Eloy moment. We get, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras having uh, himself a whale of a game on Wednesday. Any any particular grand takeaways here? I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into the knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician. I can be referred to the lab. I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Actually, maybe two. I, I think the first one is Kyle Schwarber continuing to look good out of the leadoff spot. Mm-hmm. But not only is he looking good, but I think his overall approach is kind of adjusting to being a leadoff hitter. Yeah. Ironically, though, it's not as if he's more patient at the leadoff spot. It's the opposite, I think. And some of the numbers do back it up. He's, he's more aggressive at the dish, Corey. So before the month of June, he was walking around 14 to 15% of his plate appearances. But since the 1st of June, and that's about 70 plate appearances since that, He's only walking in 6% of those plate appearances. So that suggests, and we saw it, I mean, quite literally on that first pitch of, of Nova start, Schwarber's jumping ahead of these counts. He's kind of ambushing pitchers. And I think him taking advantage of batting in front of Javi and KB and Rizzo, that's ultimately to his benefit, I think developmentally too. And there's one reason why Joe sometimes uses these these sluggers in a leadoff spot to get them going. We've seen him do it even with Javi a few days ago. And we've seen him do it with Rizzo, of course, and KB. So it's it, it does show what Madden is thinking at times because yeah, they're getting they're gonna get more fastballs batting ahead of these guys. He's uh, partially gotten tired of getting called out on those outside pitches that aren't strikes for those uh, looking strikeouts. He's he's made the adjustment to say, well, I guess I'm just going to have to hit a home run in the first couple pitches here. But I mean, like you you notice it though too, right? Like he he looks noticeably more aggressive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's, it's fun to see him kind of surprisingly flipped the switch and I think the reason why we you and I liked him in the leadoff spot was just because yeah he's going to take his pitches but he's not doing that and it's been a positive for him the second takeaway is your boy John Lester I thought he looked pretty good in that second start of of the uh of the series there and I, I think too seeing how John adapts as the year goes on He's aging. His fastball velocity is still not what it was two years ago. He averaged 90 miles per hour tonight. Seeing what he does with his secondary pitches will be something to monitor. And in that start, he threw the highest frequency of changeups of the season. And not only that, being that he threw 114 pitches, he threw the most changeups in one start of the season as well at 19. And 17% of, the, of his total pitches were changeups, which is a marked improvement over what he's been doing as a Cub. His average rate this year is 10%. His average rate in 2015, 2016, 2017 was below 6%. Overall, so it's going to be something to monitor, I think. I mean, going from that low frequency to now maybe upwards to over 15% is a pretty big deal. And I thought he looked good. He's, of course, has has dealt with some minor injuries earlier in the year with his hamstring and everything. So overall, he's looked like he's been his normal self. And I think for the Cubs rotation, losing Hendricks, getting John to look somewhat like his normal self is is a big deal. And so those are my two takeaways. First one is Schwarber at leadoff looking very good. Ironically, not patient, which is a good thing. And then, of course, John doing his thing, showing a lot of pitches, looking healthy, and being formidable at, at the very least, even when he's not throwing over 90 miles per hour. 
Yeah, I thought John looked good on Wednesday. Obviously, you know, he, and I'm sure he's fuming over that first pitch uh, because Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com shared with us the kind of like hot zones for Lurie Garcia, the Sox leadoff hitter who hits that first pitch. And he's got one, you know, they do the grid of nine if you're looking at like MLB game day. He's got one zone that's red. The rest of them are blue. Uh, The blue being he's a cold hitter here, right? And John put that pitch right in that one red spot. You know he's pissed about that. So, but (laughs) other than that, you know, I thought he did a good job. This is a, you know, this is a good, this this Sox lineup has some good hitters in it. And I think for John, you know, to uh, limit guys like Abreu and Eloy from, you know, doing any big time damage. Uh, you know, neither of them get any hits. Not too many hard hit balls against John tonight. Obviously, the fourth inning, uh, he he's struggling with these long innings this year. And obviously, you know, some of that is within his control. Some of it isn't. You know, you had that one ball in this one that KB tries to let go foul, but, you know, it gets to the point where he has to kind of make a play. The guy's safe, but it was super soft contact, but obviously it extends the inning. James McCann had, I think, like a 14 pitch at bat at one point. John eventually strikes him out, but, you know, that's why he's not able to get through that sixth inning there. Obviously, runs up the pitch count, but I I thought he looked good tonight. He, you know, again, was uh, spotting that cutter, I thought, pretty well on the outside corner got you know maybe a an extra inch or so from Corey Blazer behind the plate but again you know that's John's game and he's going to figure out what that little extra bit he can get is and you know he's going to work there so uh and you know the foot injury whatever that was in Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, at least as far as we know did not persist yeah, you th- you, yeah, yeah so, so I mean, that's good to you, see if, if yeah, if it was problematic you wouldn't guess him throwing 114 pitches would you know actually happen. So at the very least, that's something that's encouraging. Right. So yeah, I I thought a a good start from him. And again, a a really nice showing from uh, these guys out of the bullpen and and Brock and Montgomery in particular, you know, two guys who have had their struggles, uh, you know, throughout the 2019 season. So good to see them, you know, have a nice outing there. Brock with two Ks uh, sitting in the mid 90s. So, you know, the the more that they can get uh, guys like that going, you influx some of these other guys. And again, I think we're going to get to a point where that bullpen is is stable and, and we feel pretty comfortable with it. I, again, I, I bring this up every time just because they give the updates on it. But, you know, Brandon Morrow keeps increasing that distance that he's throwing from Brendan. I, I, Emotionally, I will not uh, no, let myself I know. buy into I, I think, it. <laughs> I think he's still on flat ground. So it only counts for so much that they're increasing the distance, right? But you do, uh, trust me, if you're not, one of us has to let ourselves get emotionally attached to this idea. I guess I, I'm not no, there I'm yet. No, I'm not going to be the person. But I, I will do it for the sake of the podcast because I, I will let myself think about if he is somehow able to be healthy, Kimbrel, Moro, Ceshek, Strope, Al Zale. Like, I'm going to let my mind wander a little bit. Well, Brad. now you're letting my mind wander like that too. Well, this is what happens. That's why we're a team. So, but I, I do, before we, you know, go into the, the other topics that we have here, and I, and I think, you know, we're, we're going to touch a little bit just on the depth. Obviously, you know, you come off that, that road trip out west and, and facing the tough Dodger pitching staff and then not hitting Ivan Nova, the, the offense and, and the sort of inconsistency was certainly a big topic on Tuesday night. Obviously, Wilson Contreras kind of single-handedly does his best to, uh, you know, kind of squash that. The Cubs also put up 11 hits against someone who has been the best starter in the American League, at least. I'm not looking at like the full comparison, but Lucas Giolito had been extremely good coming into this game on Wednesday, and the Cubs did good work. So we'll we'll touch on all of that in a little bit, but I I, I do just want to go back to, uh, you know, our, our statistics friend of the podcast, Chris Komka from NBC Chicago. And he he pointed out that for whatever reason, I guess it's because it's the day he debuted. Maybe that's why it keeps continuing. Uh, But as we record this, it's still June 19th. And Wilson Contreras finds himself having nice games on June 19th in, in most of his career here. Uh, so June 19th, 2016, of course, is his first major league at bat 
and he homers uh, off the Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, I think we all remember that one. He also homers a year later on June 19th, 2017. And then, of course, today, as we record this, is June 19th, 2019, where he hits a grand slam and a solo homer off of Lucas Giolito. So, Brendan, I don't really have a big point to make. Uh, It's just to say, I don't know what the deal with June 19th is, but I think it's pretty safe to say we got to make sure that Wilson is playing on June 19th going forward here for the rest of his Cubs career. Well, I think his uh, his pimp job of a home run uh, today, yes. or rather, you know, yesterday when you listen to this, a little bit better than his than his uh, debut homer. I think the 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 type of emotion of him rounding third base was a little bit more pronounced this time. He was batting this chest. I like what he was he's, pointing all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I was going to say that. I like what he's doing with this pointing. I, I like He looks like he's pointing at the people that caught the ball. He's pointing at the people behind the plate. I'm not sure if he you know has family in in the, the family section or whatever, if he's just pointing at fans. I don't know, but he's like running around the bases just pointing at everybody. I, I love oh. it. <laughs> Yeah, I love. I absolutely love it. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with June nineteenth. Maybe he like watches his first homer before the game, gets himself pumped Perhaps, up, yeah. and then goes out there. A little flash. Maybe that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I, look, I don't know. But I mean, Wilson's on one now. I mean, he's continuing at least for the majority of the year to look pretty stable. I think when the fir- when the first few weeks of the season were going on. He was going off, but there, were, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, can he continue to do this? Mm-hmm. But he's been continuing to do yeah. this now, and he's just blowing by his home run total from last year, looking every day more and more like the guy that we thought we were going to get going into 2018. When a lot of us said, hey, if he continues to play like this, he could be an MVP candidate. Absolutely. And I mean, just looking at his updated stats, I don't know if we've checked in on just like his line in, in a little while. But 15 homers on the season, 42 RBIs. He's almost hitting 300 just from a batting pa- Isn't that batting average like, perspective. I feel, I feel as if like that's a sneaky 300. Yeah, I, I, I would yeah. think so. Yeah. Well, and you know, he's he's got a, a lot more speed, I think, than people anticipate from a catcher. And you know, more often than not, he really rips the ball. But 293 right now, a 393 mm. on base percentage. I mean, guys, he's almost getting on base 40 percent of the time. A 561 slugging, a 396 WOBA, and a 146 WRC plus. Again, always remember that 100 is league average, so he is well beyond uh, a league average offensive performance. So, yeah, this is rounding into a really, really nice season for Wilson, and I think that the Cubs are. You know, we're seeing Victor Caratini's performance. You know, come back down to earth a little bit. He he was very hot to start the year. And he's still doing, I, I think, a very good job behind the plate and, and calling games. He's obviously out there with Cole Hamels, uh, I think, exclusively. You know, maybe there's been some some breaks in there. But, you know, he's Cole Hamels' guy. And I think he does a great job there. But I, but I, it's all just to say, I think the Cubs are doing a good job of managing Wilson's workload. And I, I think there's certainly games where you want to see Wilson in there. You'd like him to play as much as possible. But, you know, we did see him kind of slow down in the 2018 season. There's really no other way to put that. And I, I do think that, you know, at least continuing to be mindful of his overall usage is, is only going to benefit him in allowing him to stay fresh and, and have these performances. But a, as we transition into the the offense here as a whole, I, I do want to note, right, as as we're, we're looking at this, because again, after the, like, Ivanova is not good. So that's where this is coming from. I, I, I get it, right? And after, you know, you deal with uh, getting, you know, shut down almost completely by uh, Lambert, the 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 rookie on the Rockies, who his first two starts basically he just dominates the Cubs of his career, and you know then you go to L.A. and face that tough foursome that you end up facing there, and not hitting Ivan Nova, who even after allowing one run to the Cubs in five innings on Tuesday has a six point oh one ERA, Brendan. So like this guy's just not good, and they did nothing against him other than. Kyle hitting that first pitch home run. So I understand why this like 
offense conversation is is boiling up on on Tuesday night, right? I'm I'm not naive to it, but I do at the very least want to offer as we jump into this the notion that we just saw the Cubs do really good work and they weren't able to extend it throughout the game against anybody but Giolito, right? But we did see them over the weekend, and I mentioned this in our post-Dodger series podcast, that they did put up three early runs against Rich Hill and Clayton Kershaw, which if your pitching is on and you get a a performance like we saw from Cole Hamels on Tuesday in a big-time matchup against those guys, that's really good work early on against two really good pitchers and, and two pitchers that the Cubs have had some trouble with. And then they do it again against Giolito on Wednesday. And, you know, not only do they do good work against him, but they, you know, kind of blow the door open there a little bit and chase him before he's even out of the fifth inning. So, Yes, you know, you want to see it continue throughout the game, and I I think I would be kind of being disingenuous with y'all if I said that the offense wasn't inconsistent and that we certainly haven't seen this pattern where they do jump on guys early and then that's kind of it for the rest of the game. But I don't want it to go unnoticed that like this stretch, even just if you just go back to Thursday when the Dodgers series started, I mean, you faced what, Brendan, like four-ish of some of the best pitchers in the league, right? Sure. Hyunjin Ryu yeah. is the MLB's ERA leader. Lucas Giolito came into this game, I believe, as the wins leader with 10. You know, Rich Hill, Clayton Kershaw, like I don't think I really need to tell you guys about Clayton Kershaw. So it's it's not to say that like, you know, that's the be-all end-all, but they, they did do some good stuff against some really good pitchers that in a vacuum, right, like if you were able to say like this was a playoff game and we need to jump on these guys early and give our starting pitcher a chance, that's what they did. And so I, I just don't want that to go unnoticed in in perhaps a larger conversation. They were in every one of those games against mm-hmm. quality pitching on a tough West Coast trip. And so you can appreciate that. It's, it's a weird thing because I, I, look, we watch all these games too. And so we know, we understand the Cubs' inconsistency this year offensively is is kind of a real thing. But the reason for this inconsistency is not because of their one through five hitters. I mean, you and I just ripped off those Wilson statistics. He's sneakily batting 300. Most of those guys, one through five, have been consistent the majority of the year besides Schwarber, who's now turning it on in the last few weeks. And okay, and Rizzo had that tough stretch here, but ultimately, the majority of the season, they've been hot. And the Cubs' overall numbers this year, their weighted runs created plus, they're third in the National League, fifth in Major League Baseball. That's still impressive. So that suggests their hitters, six through nine, are just not performing at a consistent level. And when you really take a step back and think about that, it makes sense. Hayward has been inconsistent. Bodie has been inconsistent. Russell, the Scalso has been trash. Almora was really bad the first few weeks of the season. It makes more sense that way. And then, of course, looking at some of the other underlying reasons, the Cubs are the 23rd or rather the seventh worst base running team in the league right now. That's that's unacceptable for a team that performs so well seemingly every year since Madden took the helm. So for them to have problems with their bullpen, combine that with some inconsistency at the lower portion of the order, and then suboptimal, suboptimal base running, it kind of explains why there you go through some of these funks at times. And I think those are easily fixable issues, which is the encouraging part, right? If you had legit questions about that one through five of the order, like they did last year with KB's health, I think it would be more cause for concern. But you can address those lower of the order hitters. You may get lucky with Bodie playing more consistently. Maybe Elmora and his most recent success is here to stay. You just don't know. And then, of course, with the base running, They've been a quality base running team since, again, since Madden took the helm. So you think at some point that's just going to normalize out. And when that does happen, when you get Kimbrell back, we're not talking about this inconsistent 
stretch anymore because those types of things normalize in a longer season. So I, I, I'm with everyone. Yeah, the inconsistency is is an issue. I think it's an issue because of the lack of depth that we've really talked a lot about right. the last few episodes. And I think it's just a matter of addressing the lower portion of the order. At the very best, right, even having one guy step up and kind of balance out that order would be a big deal. And for for a second there, we thought it would have, would have been Carlos Gonzalez, but he's been trash the past few weeks as well. It's a matter of one or two guys stepping up, maybe going out, making a trade uh, for another position player, whatever they end up doing. Those are easily fixable solutions, I think, Corey, which should give, I think, us as Cub fans some confidence going forward. Yeah, and I I think that as, you know, I always talk about, usually in the context of the bullpen, but it it applies to the whole thing. Like, the season is broken up into sections, and, and the portion that we're in right now for the Cubs is getting toward that trade deadline and figuring out what you need to do and how aggressive you'd like to do it. And usually for most of these teams, that evaluation is essentially, what do we need and what is the cost to get it relative to how much that's going to help us, right? I will say they they likely should, or rather, I, I predict they will, go out and get one more hitter. I, I don't think, at least for now, Cargo is not inspiring confidence. So that could change, don't get me wrong. But if this is the way it's going to be come the trade deadline, I don't see how Theo and the front office can sit there and be like, yeah, this is what we're going to do six through nine. I don't see that happening. And it's going to take a lot from Bodie to change that type of mindset or even Almora. But if this is how it is come the middle of July, I think realistically you have to expect them to, to make some type of move. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. (laughs) Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much where I was going, is that it's it's basically about this team and others deciding, like, okay, like, what would we like to get to add to this team, and what's the cost, and is it worth it? If we make this move, and I, I'm speaking generally, not necessarily just about the Cubs, if we make this move... Are are we, you know, selling prospects or whatever it is to help a team that we think can win a championship? Or are we, you know, maybe trying to help a team, you know, we're kind of like trying to plug a leak with a Band-Aid, right? And I don't think that's where the Cubs are, but I'm just saying that's how I think these teams approach the trade deadline. You, you kind of have to look at it from all angles. And I'm with you, Brendan. That That's pretty much where I was going to land. Like, I think that they're going to be looking at the relief market to try to see what is available and and what the cost may be to add another high leverage or mid to high leverage type guy that you can trust. And then again, kind of taking that big pile of people that we've uh, amassed over the year here and, and, and tried out and, you know, trying to find that group that ultimately you're going to be able to go forward with once you have Craig Kimbrell in the fold, when you see what you've got or what you may want to do with, like we talked about, Adbert Alzale, with someone like Tony Barnett, who's been rehabbing, maybe getting his shot and and seeing what he has available. And so I think that'll be the thing. But I think that where I am right now is with you, Brendan. I think that a consistent bat would be very helpful. And that doesn't mean you know, like, because I think a name that you're going to hear a lot just in the general sense at the trade deadline is Anthony Rendon, who the, the, you know, if the Nationals, 
decide that they're going to sell, you know, he may be someone that is available. I that is not the type of person I look. I'd love to have Anthony Rendon, but I don't think that's the type of person that the Cubs are going to be going after. But I agree with you. I think they need more consistency, and I think that's the key when looking at this group. And we've talked about this. Like if you've been listening to us all year, I don't think this is necessarily like a new concept. But this is not to you know, suggest, you know, this is not to like dog guys like Almora or Bodie. We've been clamoring for Bodie to be the everyday, more often than not, second baseman. But it's just to say he's still young. Al has been making adjustments for the last couple years now. You know, cargo is what it is. Like, I, we, we, you know, it was a worthwhile experiment. He took at bats in Tuesday's game against, uh, I think, uh, the lefty bummer, which that's like a big no. I, I don't know what that was about. But if Cargo is going to provide any value to you, it's going to be against righties. Uh, I, I think his numbers are abysmal against lefties. So that's not something yeah, that I think, they... I think Joe, Joe was saying how, you know, he faces pitchers who tend to approach pitches low in the zone, mm-hmm. given that Cargo's a low ball hitter. So that, that was the logic there. Just throw it out there. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree I don't with it, it, but yeah. that was the logic. I just think yeah. like at this point in Cargo's career, you're trying to kind of like salvage what might be in there, kind of rekindle it. I think the best way to do that is put him in those good matchups and really nothing else. I just, I'm not sure how much there is to gain on that. And he just doesn't look good, uh, especially against these lefties and high velocity. He just, he, you know, he looks like he's lost a step a little bit. And, and that's, you know, to be, you know, it's to be fair. Like that's, that's fine. You tried it. And, you know, maybe you can keep him around and kind of be that veteran that you, you know, offers you a little pop off the bench. Depends how you want to structure this. But it's all just to say, like, you just need that consistency because at least on a, from an offensive perspective, we, we uh, you know, I just went on this rant. Like, it's not going to come from Addison Russell, right? You know he's going to give you a good glove in the field, which is valuable. But if you're counting on him to give you consistent offense, I've got a four-and-a-half-year sample I'd like to direct you to that that's not going to happen. And yeah, there's nothing recently like Almora, like Bodie, right. that suggests there's room for improvement. There's nothing there with, with Russell. Right. It's time, to, you know— we, we we just did this. I'm not going to do it again. And and again, just at the very least, like I, you know, you can call for whatever decision you want. If you want them to trade him, DFA him, keep him on the bench, whatever it is, right? But you just got to like at some point accept what the reality is, and it's that he's a glove first, you know, slightly to maybe a bit more below league average hitter. That's just, you know, kind of what it is. And and like that can be fine in a certain context. If you're acting like that that's not the case, then it's not so fine, right? But, you know, yeah. then you look at someone and and again, like, I don't know where this comes from, right? But especially after a day off, and maybe the logic is that Ivan Nova has been that bad that you wanted to get Descalso out there for a start. But Brendan, I gotta be honest with you, like, that's an unconscionable move. That might be a heavy word to throw out for a game in June, right? You can't be starting this guy. Sorry. Like, well, you can't, he, it's, he it's can't be playing in general. Yeah, it's a disservice to the rest of the team. Like, the, 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 the point that we're getting at here, and I said this over the weekend, was that when you don't get consistent production from that bottom portion of the order, and again, this isn't to like dog any of these guys specifically, other than you know like Discalso. I'm very clearly <laughs> dogging. I'm calling it. He un- has a hundred and sixty yeah. plate appearances. Unbelievable. Right. But I'm saying like that high. This when it, like the bottom of the order on Tuesday, for example, was Caratini, Cargo, Hamels, Discalso. This is not to say like Caratini right now has an 8.53 OPS. We've talked before on this podcast about the admirable job. Even if he's slowing down from that hot start at the beginning, he's done a really great job as a backup catcher, and I think made a lot of people eat their words about their their kind of insistence on this club needing, and again, us included, we've admitted this, needing a veteran backup catcher, right? So this isn't to say like that he can't give you good at bats or that he won't produce at times. It's just to say that when you're six through nine is those four guys, right? And you could throw in Russell in there. And again, I want Bodie in there more often than not, but he's still making adjustments. He's going to give you inconsistent games, get overwhelmed by, you know, powerful righties in particular. It's it's inconsistent and it puts a very 
heavy burden on those top five guys on on a given night, if we're talking Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and Contreras, it puts a heavy burden on those guys to be kind of those players like that we really expect them to be because it's just not consistent production. And so that's what I think that this team is missing. Again, to be clear, it's not to say that guys like Caratini, Bodie, Almora, Hayward in particular cannot produce on offense. That's not what we're saying here. But what we're saying is that I think this team would greatly benefit from someone that you put out there and you feel really comfortable like that they're going to give you a good approach and good results at the plate on a regular basis, not someone who is up there constantly making adjustments and having pitchers adjust back them. Someone with just, a, you know, a little more of that pedigree of like, this guy's going to give you a, a pretty good OPS maybe some pop, like going to get on base. And and I just think that's what the team needs. And it doesn't have to be someone that's playing every day. It just has to be someone that Joe can slot in there in good matchups, and you can get that consistent production, lengthen that lineup, and take some of this pressure off of those, you know, kind of like main five guys that are, are really driving this offense. So that's where I'm at. And as we head to that portion of the season, and like I was saying, to kind of bring that full circle, that's the portion of of the season that I think we're in. It's kind of taking stock of what you've got and figuring out how do we want to approach this. And the Cubs are in an interesting spot, right, Brendan, because they can approach this from a, a couple different ways, because I think that there's going to be part of the organization and and, and fan base that is going to say, well, okay, kind of exactly what you're talking about, Corey, is Ben Zobrist, right? And it is exactly basically what I'm talking about. And the problem there is we don't know if or when he's going to come back. If Ben Zobrist could come back tomorrow and be even 90% of, you know, his normal self, right? That that just kind of like classic Ben Zobrist, you know, something like that, that 280 batting average, the OBP and the threes slugging in the, you know, fours or whatever is his classic deal. That'd be great. And you'd feel really good about it. And I think that's exactly kind of what this lineup is missing. All right. So let's preview this upcoming series against the New York Mets. The Mets will come to Wrigley Field for four games here, Corey. The first of which starts at 7.05 p.m. Central Time, Thursday night. Walker Lockett will be making his New York Mets debut. He pitched for San Diego last year through 15 innings. Not good. He'll be facing Tyler Chatwood, as we discussed. Chatwood likely to only go maybe four innings or so, is what I'm guessing here. Chatwood on the year is 3-1 with a 3.6 ERA. His walk per nine is 5.4. His K per nine is around 7.5. And then, of course, we'll be looking at maybe Adbert Alzole making his debut for the Cubs at some point tomorrow. And then on Friday, we have a day game, of course, at Wrigley Field, 1.20 p.m. Central Time. Jason Vargas will be taking them on for the Mets. Vargas, that veteran lefty, is 3-3 with a 3.74 ERA. He'll be facing another veteran in Yu Darvish, who is 2-3 with a 4.65 ERA. Darvish coming off of four consecutive good starts. Looking for that to continue there. On Saturday, another day game, 1.20 p.m. Central Time. Zach Wheeler taking the mound for the Mets, who is 5-5 five five with a 4.94 ERA. Wheeler has been basically hindered by injuries. His entire career has not panned out to the level that the Mets envisioned when they drafted him. He'll be facing Jose Quintana, who is 4-6, but he has a nice 3.87 ERA. That game on Saturday starts at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. And then they finish it up, thankfully not, on Sunday Night Baseball. That game, again, starts at 1.20 p.m. Jacob deGrom takes the mound for the Mets. deGrom is 4-6 with a 3.26 ERA. Not quite the same year. Last year when he won the Cy Young, still very dirty, still throwing 97 plus miles per hour. Still has that same type of stuff. Do not let those stats fool you. Cole Hamels will be his opponent, who is 6-2 with a 2.85 ERA. Corey and I have talked a lot about Hamels and his consistent 
starts over the last month or so, still looking to continue that. He had 27 straight innings without allowing an earned run before that last start against the White Sox. And then just to get the complete layout of where the Cubs are in the division, uh, San Diego swept Milwaukee, thankfully. So the Cubs are now half a game up of the Brewers, who are 40 and 35. The Cubs are 40 and 33. Cardinals have been playing better. They are 38 and 25. They are two games back of the Cubs. The Reds are still struggling. They're 34 and 38, five and a half games back of the Cubs. Pittsburgh going down a tailspin, 33 and 47 now, seven games back of the Cubs. And just to give a little bit of a bigger picture, so the Cubs' homestand persists after this Mets series. The Braves come to town for three, actually four, and then the Cubs will head out to Cincinnati after that, so not too far of a travel day for them. So you're looking for the Cubs to take advantage of this long, elongated home stretch. The Mets are 35 and 39. Not a good ball club, have offensive struggles, so you're looking to still capitalize on if the Cubs offense still is going to be a little bit inconsistent, still capitalize off that strong starting pitching. And other than the normal trends we're monitoring, of course, looking at Albert Alzole, whether or not he pitches on Thursday for more than, you know, a few innings. Ideally, you want to see him maybe go out there for three innings, but that's all to be determined. Corey, anything you're looking for in particular? No, just keep the, the good vibes going here, right? It's It'll be an exciting game on Thursday to see what Alzole can do, and just try to keep this this home cooking going. Obviously, it doesn't get off to the best start on Tuesday, but this team has been really good at home. And I, I think it looks good overall. You know, the offensive consistency is frustrating at times, but they, they went through a, a really tough stretch of opposition pitching. And, you know, I, I, I think that welcoming the Mets in for four sometimes is really a, a good way to cure what ails you. And, you know, they might get uh, DeGrom on Sunday, but so be it, right? We just faced, you know, we, it's certainly not the first time in the last week or so that we've faced, uh, you know, a guy with a sub two and a half ERA or whatever it is. So the Cubs should be well prepared for the task, but just just keep it going. I uh, want to see Schwarber keep killing it up at the leadoff spot. Love what Willie's doing, obviously coming off a two home run game. And, you know, like you said, just try to try to build that lead. It would be really lovely if this could be kind of the start of the Cubs building that division lead and, and kind of building that little cushion there. That yeah, a lot. I mean, the Central is not what we thought it was, honestly. I think the division's still up for grabs. Yeah. You look at the East, you look at the West, and those divisions look stronger, surprisingly. So fortunately, the Cubs are still in a very favorable position despite not playing to their best level. Right, and I, and I think that that's the type of thing that, uh, you know, especially as you're in the midst of a long homestand here, you want to make that hurt, right? The, the Cubs had a very sure. tough West Coast road trip, finished with four games in L.A., had the day off on Monday, and then lost to Nova on Tuesday while the Brewers were playing the Giants and Padres, and the Brewers didn't take advantage. Time to make them pay for that, right? You, you should not you got to remind them, like, you should not have let the Cubs hang around with you while they were, you know, struggling a little bit and, and on a, a not-so-good stretch on that West Coast trip. And I, I I really do fully expect the Cubs to make the Brewers really regret that, and they should. This was an opportunity for the Brewers to build a little distance. The Cubs threw a, a good, a hefty amount of losses in there over the last, uh, you know, week-plus or so. And I think as this homestand goes on, that's not going to be the case. So I think the I think it's time to make the Brewers regret not taking advantage of, of that West Coast trip uh, for the Cubs, and, and that's what I expect. But we will talk to you after these four games with the New York Mets. I really hope that on Sunday we are just gushing over what we saw from Adbert Alzole and the prospect of, of his future with the Major League organization here. And we will break down everything else that went on in these four games with the visiting New York Mets. Other than that, I think that's all we have for you. As always, we thank you guys for listening, for participating on Twitter, Instagram, etc. 
And for those five-star reviews, we still see those coming in on the Apple Podcasts app and the iTunes store. So we thank you for that. And again, it just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. And we will talk to you on Sunday night. And as always, Go Cubs! Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.